Living in a scientific age, we need <laughs> citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. Todd, of course, it's to get to the time machine. <laughs> Why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> I kind of liked it without the quote-unquote punchline. <laughs> Just leaving that hang out we, there. We, we could have done the joke at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Now that would be funny. Maybe we should just excerpt, <laughs> excerpt that at the end, drop it at the end. Oh, that's that's pretty great. How are you doing? Mark? Oh, we're we're pretty well. Uh, we celebrated Fourth of July here at the house with a, a few fireworks in front of the house, and uh, we made made burgers and pretty much stay away stay away from humans. Yeah. Now, how long did the fireworks go downtown last night? Were people like doing it until one or two? Or, like, was it all crazy or did it end? Like, uh, uh, I fell asleep down about here, midnight I... and it was still going strong. Okay. Because like down here, usually, I mean, down in the country, it's just a free for all war zone because everybody's got their like M80s and like gigantic farm Did you see the video, and... the flyover video of Los Angeles? Yes. Although I've seen, yeah, I've seen those before flyover, which is so great. They're all illegal, though. Like all those fireworks. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Which that's, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with that sort of uh, middle finger to. <laughs> to a thorn. But I was, I was surprised. So, I mean, yeah, it sounded like a war zone for like an hour, but at around 11 it was just completely quiet around here for the rest of the night hmm. which was shocking to me because usually it just keeps going and going and going so i didn't know if that was everywhere if that was just for some reason everybody here ran out of fuel or used it all or <laughs> they, i don't know what was going on saving it for tonight <laughs> just a mess with you Oh, so how is Portland? I haven't been to Portland in so long but i guess you haven't either i i haven't either but i i I read the numbers, and according to the numbers, everybody's just licking doorknobs and uh, <laughs> like the crazy lady like in the crazy video. Lady the video. Uh, yeah, where was that? The, the I that don't video. I that... don't know. Uh, it's okay. America. Uh, <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're talking about the the viral video of the lady who, uh, after being drunk and belligerent. Uh, got kicked out of the bar, and she commenced body slamming the door to get back in and licking the door. Uh, and the door is <laughs> glass, and so it's it's a tragic, uh, hilarious. Video. So was she she kicked out for being drunk or for not wearing a mask, or it's unknown. I believe it was for being drunk, according to the Reddit headline, but I it oh, didn't okay. have a lot of references. So I oh, so I thought it was just directly related nah. to to a mask policy yeah. of some sort. I was telling you beforehand, I saw the mini ad to, to be fair, there was only maybe 10 or 15 people at this quote unquote protest in Boise. Uh, Cause Idaho uh, is one of the States that rightfully so is going to be mandating masks for public health and safety. Um, 
And so as is, uh, I don't know when it starts in the next week or something like that. Um, but the state is giving away free masks, which I think is great because masks <laughs> like condoms should be free if we want to avoid problems in the future. Yes. But um, this little group of people gathered together and got a whole bunch of these free masks and put them in a little tiny trash can and burned them because of freedom. America. <laughs> So uh, how do we? So mental exercise, you know. I I think of yeah. like what? So what has gone wrong? What has gone wrong with, America? with literally everything? Uh, so uh. let's let's say that there's not too much uh, international interference in our elections, and uh, it remains fairly fair and a. Uh, Biden presidency happens, and on January sixteenth, twenty twenty one, he is brought into office. Like, what do you do with this mess? Well, the pro uh, here's I. <laughs> thankfully, I'm terrible at predicting the future. Yeah, me so, too. <laughs> so here's what I think will happen: is that um, if another, if there is another president ever again, ever again. If, if we are still alive in January twenty twenty one. Um, there's going to have to be a lot of, I guess, undoing, but also redoing of policies since Trump's main focus has just been to undo everything that has Obama's name on it, because that's just a signal to his base that hates Obama anyway. That's how he courts their favor is just saying, oh, Obama did this. I will take it away, whether it's good or not. So I think a lot of those, especially if it's Joe Biden, because he probably had a hand in a lot of those decisions anyway, he will undo those, which will just fuel the fire of Republican ire saying, oh, his only existence is to erase. It'll still be all about Donald Trump. Right. And Um, and no matter what we do, Trump is going to remain in the public voice until his dying breath like he will i think that's true but i don't think anyone is going to give a shit i think I once think, he is out i think P- i mean it, republicans didn't like give a shit <laughs> but if they have but if they have to make an effort to go to the donald trump cable news channel which he's setting up like that's is just really is that oh a- totally oh. yeah it was through yeah him and eric trump are starting their wow. own Okay. Cable TV shows. So, yeah, he will be there. But I think after his usefulness to the the politically, the evangelicals, and I always use that yeah. as a political term and not a, a theological term, totally. like they will have no reason to defend his actions anymore. Right now they're defending his actions because the um, it's a means to an end. It's they like his choices for the Supreme Court because of abortion. Everything else can be ignored because he's accomplishing that task. So as soon as he has no usefulness, he's not going to he's he'll be I imagine he'll tour the country much like an aging rock group where nobody is going to see Def Leppard right now. Well, probably they are because the 80s are back in style. But you know what I mean? Like a one-hit wonder band from the 70s shows up at state fair circuits. Yeah. You know, courting their specific super loyal fans, just like me following Madonna for the rest of my life. I get it. 
That's what. But yeah, he's <laughs> not he because he is not a public servant in the way that George Bush or Obama or Clinton continue to be and continue to have foundations and continue to have a hand in politics, whether or not that's good or bad, you know, their whole goal is still their foundations and making the world a better place. And that's just not Donald Trump's brand anyway. What will the Donald Trump library be like? Uh, there won't be. There, I've thought about that forever. There's got to be. There, there is there, no is way going library. to be a Donald Trump library. There's got to be a Donald Trump presidential library. Like every, There had to be a lot of things that didn't happen in this last four years. Okay. Uh, so have you watched Hamilton? Defy all logic. Have you watched Hamilton? Have I watched? Hamilton? Yes, I did. I you know I watched Hamilton uh kind of over two nights. Uh and so I watched it. Uh, I finished it last <laughs> night. Um we have only watched to the intermission, so don't let us know how it ends. Uh <laughs> spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> uh, uh I loved, you know, what I've seen so far. It's it's Yeah. It, I like the second act uh better because wow. I that's where I stopped too was intermission and I enjoyed the second act a little better. It was t- now. Had you heard any of the music before this? Um, not religiously, but um, over this last week, I've played the tr- played the album a couple times while I've been programming. Okay, and so yeah, and that's I think probably a good thing because I kind of purposely have been avoiding it because I'm like I don't want to just listen to the soundtrack because I have no idea what's happening on stage which i realize isn't a huge a huge part of this since it's kind of a single a single set <clears throat> stage for the most part um so i did sort of struggle with keeping up with the yeah. lyrics and what they were saying and and yeah. stuff like that but it was yeah i really really enjoyed it i loved seeing um a cast made up of entirely of people of color which was just gave a really interesting read to our history um, I think it is not brought up enough uh, when we talk about the formation of this country because we kind of all just give it a, well, everybody was pro-slavery back then. Right. That's just how it was. And it's, it's I think, really important and great to see that that was a huge discussion when this country was being formed. And it still took 100 years after that, more or less, to end that. And so that that was really neat, too. Um, I love I love King George, Me too, <laughs> who is my favorite thing in the world. And I think at one point, do you know Ter- you know who Taron Killam is, yeah, yeah. right? He, uh, I think he played. I know he was in the Hamilton cast, and since that's the only oh, wow. white cast member of the whole yeah. thing, I'm assuming, and he would be perfect oh, for that too. Goodness. But yeah. whoever was playing that, I mean, just incredible, nailed but, it. But, yeah, it was that, so that great. First scene of his when he you know doing the an initial uh, proclamation before the war. Um, yeah. Just an incredible performance. And yeah. And so like, what's so great about him is that he is almost not emoting, but still emoting so much in that stiff British type manner and just spitting everywhere and not even brilliant flinching yeah so that that was really great do you know how long it's going to be on disney plus no idea okay because i didn't know if it was just this weekend so that's why i had to make sure that um, i mean i watched newsies is still up there uh (laughs) i saw that so that's been a while right i don't know (laughs) newsies newsies had christian i never saw newsies but it had christian bale in it when he was a child oh 
So anyway, ah. all the newsies talk you you come to love <laughs> the Mark and Todd cast. So cool. All right. Well, let's uh, for so spoilers for this episode. Oh, I closed my Zoom window and now I can't see you. Oh, there no. you are. Uh, is that I was going to uh, do a topic and I was going to kind of dig into uranium and different things that um, radioactive materials were used for because I was talking with one of Colin's older brothers. Colin has two older brothers. Uh, Colin is the boy I, I take care of uh, who has autism and I work in his house and he has a 16-year-old or 17-year-old brother named Devin and a 19-year-old brother named Michael. And so Devin is um, super into deep dive research. And because he's at that age where there's, especially now during a lockdown, there's nothing else to do than just do deep dive researchers. And he's at, he's getting to that age where he's, you know, paying attention to politics more and really trying to figure out, you know, the Fox News in the background of the house versus what he sees on his Discord chats and, and all of that. And and he's just really diving into the history of like everything and is just like super balanced about it and listens to every so that's neat to see wow. in a kid. But he was telling me um he got into like post World War Two Cold War um use of uranium when we figured out it was like highly radioactive and but companies had kind of stockpiles of it and didn't just want to give it to the government and so like there was a whole thing where they tried to convince people that all of these radar it's not just there's something called thorium i think yep. as well as uranium that they would just put in products and say it was like to your health or whatever. And so there was like radioactive toothpaste and like all of this stuff. Well, and and there's been um, that glassware yep. and like ceramics made for them, that glow in the dark yep. and stuff like that. And so I, I didn't – it was a lot to try to dive into me personally like – in a day. So I decided to put that off for a different time. And today, today on the show, we're just going to catch up with some news since we haven't recorded in a while. And it's been mucking up my browsers to have 900 tabs open. So we're just going to, we're just going to float through the news today and see what else has been going on in the world. So uh, starting in Portland, um, uh, we, we won't talk minute, much more politics, but of course <laughs> there's been lots of protests and stuff like that. And, and, this whole defund the police, which I, I don't know if we've recorded since that became a phrase, but discussing how that 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 name is perhaps not the greatest yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, description of what people... I think we started recording like the day after the, that <laughs> that was, and we're like, oh, terrible marketing, people. Terrible right. marketing. Yeah. So, but we are seeing, um, I, I think if... if if you care to look for it, there is a lot of good information about cities that have done things like this. Um, and now Portland is the latest city to, quote, defund the police, which really means you reallocate money from the police to alternative programs. So the Portland City Council passed a budget last week cutting at least $15 million from the Portland Police Bureau. Uh, following weeks of protesters' cry to defund the police. The budget for the upcoming fiscal year also includes $4.8 million in funding for Portland Street Response, a program proposed as an alternative to policing. 
So the pilot program was born out of research and advocacy by Street Roots, which is a local newspaper that works with the whole uh, – I was going to say homeless, but that is now not correct. It is the houseless, houseless. community. Uh, do you know why that would be? I can't – I don't know why you would go houseless instead of homeless, but I'm assuming that's – um, Even when I'm living in a doorstep, uh, that is my home. Um, and so – uh, so home is where the heart is, right. not where the house is. Right. And, so and I the... know that a lot of advocates uh, use the term people experiencing homelessness uh, yes, instead of uh, the homeless, which embodies you right. as a person. It's right. well, I am this, a person yeah, the... experiencing this situation. Right. And yep. the same way that they do with, you know, it's <clears throat> you don't say you're not supposed to say anymore uh, an autistic person. You're supposed to say like a person with autism. And that that delineation didn't make a lot of sense until I tell people about Colin because like he's Colin and he has autism. Colin right. isn't this thing that he has, exactly. you know, all that thing. So exactly. I think that's the language that they're trying to to look into. Yep. But um, anyway, so Street, Lo- uh, Street Roots led a pilot proposal, um, blah, blah, blah. The proposal cited the city of Eugene's, uh, <laughs> and this is the best name, um, the city of Eugene, which is in Oregon, the Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Street program, or <laughs> Cahoots. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so Cahoots is a crisis intervention, again, with the branding people, Uh <laughs> So cahoots, I say in a serious, in a serious article about a serious topic, is a crisis intervention team dispatched throughout Eugene, um, throughout the Eugene Fire Police Ambulance Communication Center. Um, "Quote: The city is working to change the way it responds to some of its 911 calls," says the city of Portland, which found that more than half of 911 calls in 2017 were made against houseless uh, individuals. Instead of sending armed police officers to deal with some of these calls, the city will now send a team of paramedics and mental health professionals trained in de-escalation to respond to low-risk calls. So uh, down in Eugene, where Cahoots operates, the team provides immediate stabilization in cases of urgent medical need or psychological crisis, ranging from suicide prevention to conflict resolution to mediation to substance abuse. Uh, So in situations where uh, the report... in uh, includes a crime in progress, violence, or life-threatening emergency, the city will send uh, still police and emergency services instead of or in addition to the CAHOOTS staff. Um, oh, if you were employed there, you could say, I'm in CAHOOTS. I'm in CAHOOTS. Anyway, so Eb- Ebony, Ebony Morgan, who is a crisis worker in CAHOOTS, <coughs> uh, sorry, told the Minnesota Public Radio the organization responded to 24,000 calls last year which was 20% of all calls that went to police in less than 1% of those calls uh, backup from, uh, from the police was requested. So out of 24,000 calls, uh, less than 1% needed additional police backup. Uh, The quote, what I know by living proof, 100% of the calls I've gone on have been, have been able to help people through this program. And I have I've never had to be injured or injured someone else to do it. Wow. So um, uh, my church a couple of weeks ago had a really fascinating, not a panel because it was my pastor and then two other people, one of them um, who works for the men, uh, 
Multnomah County Mental <coughs> Mental Health Division. Uh, she's the director of that. And then mm. they also had a member mm. of the church who is in the police department. And they both, um, uh, the, the leader of the mental health division is a black woman named Ebony Clark. And so she talked about Black Lives Matter and the police talk, the policeman talked about his experience on the police and stuff like that. It was super fascinating. But the policeman told a story about being called um, to the uh, the bus station down in Portland where they had gotten a call from TriMet about a a passenger that wasn't cooperating in some way. And so they sent the police. The police got there and kind of parked around the corner and uh, he looked around the corner before the TriMet officer and the person that they they kind of kicked off the bus, TriMet police, you know, came to assist the driver and were talking to the guy. And the guy that they kicked off the bus was pretty, pretty mellow and, and talking through things. There was the black bus driver and the suspect was black and they were talking through things. And as soon as this white police officer came around the corner, the suspect started flipping out and started like getting agitated and started like the es- the situation just started totally escalating. And so the police officer had the foresight to call the bus driver over and say, this situation looked like you had it under control when I got here. We'll stay here, you know, far away. They were 40, 50 yards mm-hmm. away around the corner. We'll be here if you need us. But with your permission, yeah, you may advocate for this situation it looks like it's wow. de-escalated and you guys have done their job. We will be here for support if you need us. And right. of course they didn't, they weren't needed. And that suspect went away, caused no problems for the rest of the night. It was, you know, yeah. everything was fine. And that's what this movement means and what yeah. it needs is not sending escalators, whether or not they're purposely escalating or they're escalating because of the weapons and the, all the other stuff that they just have on their persons as a police officer escalates a situation that maybe doesn't need to be escalated. And I think that's, that's the important thing to remember about what this movement is talking about. We we need a lot more of that. Like, yeah, uh, that's summed it up. Great. So anyway, uh, cool. So, uh, I mentioned before NASA and, uh, JPL, the jet propulsion laboratory have, uh, they've released plans and uh, instructions for a very low-cost, uh, made-at-home piece of electronic jewelry called the Pulse. And the Pulse uh, lives as a pendant on your chest, uh, as a necklace pendant, and it detects when your hands are approaching your face and vibrates just to remind you not to touch your face so it doesn't stop you it doesn't it's it's working in tandem with everything else so it's not a replacement for masks or anything like anything like that it's just uh a and so they they've got there's one piece that needs to be 3d printed which is the holder and then everything else are uh really simple electronics takes uh, about five minutes of soldering and um let me let me just share my screen with you so you can see it and as we talk about this and um <clears throat> and so the um the pendant it's it's made from you know a little vibrating motor a transistor a little ir sensor and a battery and uh it it forms together and 
is a necklace that's worn around your chest. Wow. Uh, yeah. So um, I think I have a, oh, here it is. The pendant, uh, see if I can find a picture of the pendant itself when it's finished. And uh, there's a nice lady wearing the pendant. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I th- I think I'm going to make one just uh, as just a, for fun. Just for fun. And uh, if it helps me not touch my face, I'll, I'll do it. Right. Okay. Well, before you stop sharing your screen, I'm noticing the, <laughs> I'm trying to point at it right now. <laughs> the, you have that great uh, key and peel gif where it's the guy sweating a lot the nervous gif (laughs) which is up there and now you covered it with your window but there's something something on the top left video background is that anything funny this one uh video background yeah oh so this was the video background (laughs) oh no no that that's uh, that's for work Uh, i thought perhaps you made another like hilarious hilarious (laughs) background for your zoom calls i did not i I did not okay Uh, Oh, uh, that's funny. So that's Pulse. Neat. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to see all these different homemade solutions to some of these problems and it's and I guess that's part of just being trapped in our houses <laughs> is having to solve a lot of That's a thing I notice is that especially with this mask um with with the not the law but why am I not thinking of the word? The mandate the ma- the to to wear masks. The oppression. The oppression. <laughs> That's what I don't understand about this oppression is I don't see stores selling masks. Like I don't – if I had to go buy a mask today, thankfully I've gotten a couple from Colin's mom because she – if, if if you would like to uh, to buy a mask and you want – if you're living by Washington Square um, – Fast Fix Jewelry has quite a selection for people to buy because she's like, oh, yeah, we had some extra or whatever, and they sold out, so we just ordered 200 more because you have to have a mask to get into the mall, and they're right by one of the main entrances, so they can say, oh, buy your mask here or whatever. But I haven't seen – you'd think they would be at Fred Meyer. I've seen a couple at 7-Eleven, but those are like all the (laughs) masks from concerning origins, I would say. (laughs) So, but it's been interesting that you can't just like buy them everywhere. I I agree. Um, I have seen a resurgence, uh, a a new amount of population at the stores of hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer is yeah now back uh, on in and in all shapes and sizes and big quantities and and all the stuff. Uh, toilet paper is still hit or miss. Yesterday, the whole toilet paper and paper paper towel aisle was gone again. It's like hit or miss. Yeah, people are. I don't know. Everybody is just shitting so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, moving on. One of the things it's funny to look back at the history of this podcast, which I believe this will be our fit. This will be our fifth anniversary, I think, this fall of starting this show, which is crazy. I believe we started in 2015. Only the plaque that is in the official recording room behind you knows for sure, since that's uh, my sister-in-law made us that plaque. Okay. So I think we started in the fall, and then the next year we started Portland. 2015? April 9th, 2015. 
Oh, so we just, yeah. Wow, we just passed our fifth anniversary wow. then, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that how math works? <laughs> I think so. But the, seeing which stories pop up over and over and which ones didn't, and one that I didn't expect was our history with sonic weapons. Yes. Which is crazy. So we've reported about, I believe it was in Cuba or, or somewhere where there were the rumors of it, and then we've seen it pop up on naval ships and stuff like that, and we've seen it pop up as crowd disbursement tools for all of these protests. So um, there was a very, very long article not from wired this time but from popular mechanics um which is titled how to dodge the sonic weapon used by police um i'm not going to go too deeply into the background of of the, what they're calling long range acoustical devices i believe um but it's a fascinating article and how they've been used and where they've been deployed um, but I wanted to read the section about, um, so any sounds above 85 decibels can co- cause permanent damage to your hearing. Uh, so normal conversations are about 60 to 70 sporting events and concerts can be 94 to hundred and a jet can be 120 to 140. Again, uh, anything above 85. Uh, and in contrast, some of these LRADs, the long range acoustical devices can create sounds up to 160 decibels when used at their, f- uh, full power. So, uh, basically you just want to, they're very directional. So think of it like a fire hose firing out at a crowd. So if you can see where the speakers are pointed, you want to get to the sides of it because it's very directional and it's very um, powerful that way because it's kind of it's kind of like a sound not a microscope but like telescope focuser where yeah. it just focuses all that sound on a very specific area huh. and just blasts that through um so yeah people are losing their hearing from some of these um things an earlier suit in pittsburgh allowed or awarded seventy two thousand dollars to a bystander who uh, suffered permanent hearing loss from an attack in 2009 so if you are anywhere that uh they are using these huge acoustic weapons just get to the side of it and not in front of it so do do they affect your other cells and and body parts other than your ears like it's hard it's hard to earplugs or were deaf would it hurt you physically i don't know if the decibels uh at that range uh, 160 would do enough to hurt you but a jet taking off can be between 120 and 140 decibels and like when you're at a concert like you feel feel it the music yeah. yeah it i mean it is waves passing through the air shaking us right so at some point i would imagine there would be a frequency that i mean there's always there's always the rumor and sound editing, the brown note where you there's like a specific note that just like makes you lose control of your bowels, which that would be a great acoustical weapon to deploy. And talk about getting protesters to leave and just have, have everyone just crap their pants in unison from the brown note. So maybe that's a an apocryphal story about that. But I mean, sound is vibration. So I would imagine that right. you could concentrate sounds sort of like a microwave shakes a certain frequency that you would be able to do something to the cells or to the disrupt Hmm. the way that your body works. So Hmm. yeah. Wow. (laughs) Ah, so 
legal regulated psychedelic mushrooms one step closer to being on Oregon's November ballot an Oregon ballot measure to legalize the use of I can I know, never psilocybin I believe psilocybin in therapeutic settings has gained enough signatures to appear in the November ballot if these signatures can be verified the campaign believes they will know for sure by mid-July so IP 34 would legalize the use of psychedelic mushrooms in controlled doses and administered by professionals in the state. That's really good news. Yeah. Oregon would be the first state to legalize the substance, which is currently a schedule one drug. Cities like Oakland and Denver have already decriminalized psilocybin. Uh, the effort got a $1 million boost from Dr. Bronner's soap company. That's, in I was going to cut that paragraph out just because it seemed extraneous, but that seems really strange to me. A $1 million boost from Dr. Bronner's soap company. Like That's, that's a uh, weird connection. A, I wonder if the CEO is a... I know that company is a little or, zany. You know, like, he's really a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> Quote, unquote, doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just want to send a signal to the donor community that this is really important ballot measure to support, CEO David Bronner said at the time. If the measure passes, it won't mean psilocybin will be widely available in the same way cannabis is. Instead, it will empower the Oregon Health Authority to set up all licensing, training, certification, and ongoing education requirements for psilocybin service centers and facilitators during a mandated two-year development process. That's that's really Yeah, great. so it's neat to see that we're finally taking a scientific look at a lot of these things <clears throat> that we were just trying to be scared straight out of <laughs> for the last 100 years. So I'm hoping, I mean, and a lot of this stuff, even ketamine, which I believe is what is ecstasy, correct? Is that what ecstasy is? Ketamine? Vitamin Could K, be. as us club kids call it. <laughs> Uh, like I know that's shown really promising things in the areas of depression and psychosis and a lot of those things. So I'm, I'm hoping we are able to really discover actual, what a lot of these things can actually do instead of having the stranglehold on our medicinal options from the, the drug companies that have them now. Um, well, we're not a lot of us are not taking a lot of vacations right now, but if you are, you can now visit the Exploding Whale Memorial Park in Florence, Oregon. So, where is Florence that. again? Uh, it's on out the, of coast, the coast kind where of they exploded central. the whale. Yeah. Um, so, residents of Florence voted on the name last year and anointed the park with a new sign yesterday. Uh, speaking of words that I can't pronounce, the newspaper is called the Swiss Law. Is that how you pronounce that? I'm assuming that's a Native Could American be. name. Uh, the residents of Florence clearly have a sense of humor and pride about what's been dubbed, quote, a fateful day in 1970 that changed the world forever by <laughs> theexplodingwhale.com, an entire website dedicated to the event. So if you're a person that at this point has not seen the classic Exploding Whale news video, uh, go to... Then I, I'm really jealous of you because I want to see that video for the first time again. <laughs> and... And I want to be you that's never seen it's it. It's like seeing Star so Wars for the first time. It's, it really it really is remarkable. And just, and I mean, yeah. So theexplodingwhale.com. 
Uh, in a public poll, what what an entrance to the seventies! That right, is, and really. just the way that the newscasters talk and oh, it's so what he's great. wearing how the and the sound of the blubber <laughs> hitting everything. Thunk, 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 thunk. Oh. and then the screams of people <laughs> and yelling like it really the, is that delay between those thunks <laughs> and the panicked crowd. <laughs> It's remarkable. Oh, so funny. So in a public in a public poll, exploding whale memorial park won in a landslide victory over the more uh, picturesque names like Dunes View Park and Little Tree Park. The community also created a mascot for the exploding whale's 50th anniversary, an adorable, totally intact whale named Flo. Uh, There's a great picture. I've accidentally deleted it from the show notes but a uh, flow the whale leaning against the exploding whale sign be able to use that for a show image this week exploding whale memorial park is now open to the public it has bike racks picnic tables uh kayak no oh, kayak access and views of the swiss law dunes uh so visit that when you're in florence oregon which is really really great it is the best. Uh, <laughs> mind to the next one. <laughs> I was trying to pull up the whale. Oh, okay, okay. We're definitely definitely closing out the show with that. <laughs> um, and huge prehistoric circle of pits stuns scientists and could solve Stonehenge mystery. A huge one and a half mile uh, mild wide circle of deep pits has been discovered close to Stonehenge. And excited scientists believe it could finally help explain why the famous monument was built. The circle of shafts, believed to be 4,500 years old, is said to be the biggest prehistoric structure ever discovered in the United Kingdom. It is not yet known what it's for. Key researchers on Stonehenge and its landscape have been taken aback by the scale of the structure and the fact that it's been discovered that it hasn't been discovered until now so close to Stonehenge. And he continued, I can't emphasize enough the effort that would have gone into digging such large shafts with tools of stone, wood, and bone. I've got your large shafts with wood and bone. (laughs) Oh, where's my Uh, clown horn when I need it? (laughs) Which I forgot. It's in the garage. Uh, Nick literally bought a clown horn. (laughs) And so I have a physical clown horn. I saw that on your... Uh, on your Amazon thing, I went to order something. They're like, last purchased, clown horn. I was like, really? Uh, so far, 20 shafts have been found, each more than Hey-o. five meters deep and 10 meters in diameter. Oh, sorry. Ancestors. Ancestors. <laughs> uh, the discovery was made without the need for ex- excavations using remote sensing technology and sampling. Yeah, so, so Mark, you're asking, what is it? Oh my god. Do you, do you remember, remember it? We I we do and we you and I speculated and we sat around talking about it and and it was a big deal when uh the segue <laughs> uh was hinted at and then the uh it, the patents patent pictures started to be released and we're like this is going to change everything. <laughs> Everybody will be r- rolling around on segways. Cities will be rebuilt. Now. 
I forgot yeah. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that you and I were working together at that point, and Drudge yeah. was all over it. So every day the headline was like, "What is it? Is it, it will it? change the world?" So since this original Segways debut. Which was 20 years ago. The market has become saturated with the electric powered two wheelers of many varieties. Um, Oh, the headline, which they didn't put in this article um, the self balancing scooter Segway is ending production. Um, but that scooter only accounted for 1.5% of the company's revenues by uh, the coronavirus pandemic and the resulting disruption in global manufacturing and supply chains were not factors, the company said. So when the product launched, the head of Segway said, quote, it will be the car, it will be to the car, what the car was to the horse and buggy. But almost immediately, those predictions gave way to ridicule. Time Magazine named it one of the top te- uh, 10 biggest tech failures of the decade, citing its inflated price point, which was five to $7,000, and its confusing classification as a road vehicle requiring licensing in some countries. Uh, but the company always struggled to find customers. They're uh, faced with dwindling revenue. They ended up being sold twice in 2019 and 2013. Um, the, the first time it sold British investor, investor, Jimmy Heseldon died in ironic, tragic Segway crash in 2010, where I believe I he rolled that. off a cliff. <clears throat> he did. That, that was sad. Is, is, Amazing. <laughs> is ter- I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> I am a terrible person, but that is just Wow. <laughs> Anyway, so you're setting me up up for something. Well, here, (laughs) since the story after this about is about Vancouver, where you used to you used to live, you can do that one, and I'll do this this local hero story. Okay. So, (laughs) topless here. This is from I believe somewhere in Britain. Topless hero Jessica saves family from drowning in Cornwall, as one of Jessica Layton's friend puts it. "Quote: Not all heroes wear capes. Some of them don't even wear bikini tops." This is from the. UK Sun tabloid, by the way. The twenty the twenty-eight year old from Penzance was sunbathing on a naturalist beach in Pittenvounder near Port Curlo yesterday. That doesn't sound like England names, but maybe it's French. I don't know. Uh, she told Cornwall Live, it was just after 3 p.m. Should I try an accent? It was just after 3 p.m. when the tide was coming in. I decided to do for a final dip before going home. I will end that accent now. Thank you. <laughs> I was topless in the sea when I saw two young women struggling to swim near rocks. Another family in the ra- uh, another member of the family ran in to help them, and she started struggling too. I was going to tell them to float, which is the best thing that you can do when there's a rip current, but they were panicking so much it wouldn't have worked. They were all holding hands, so I grabbed one of their hands and pulled them onto the beach. Jessica, who is a performer at Cornwall's popular Rogue Theater, I don't know why that was added, um, <laughs> said, one of the women said, aren't you strong? Afterwards, I'm not sure where the strength came from. <laughs> the actor and singer is a regular on the nudist beach and says people uh, says the people watching her rescue may have seen a lot more. Quote, fortunately, I just put my bikini bottoms on before it happened. It's a classic. Of course I was going to be topless when something like this happens. <laughs> so uh, one hero one posted on facebook uh a friend said local hero saves family from certain death with her norks out 
So I don't know what uh, whose country is slang (laughs) called Norks, but I love it and will now say it all the time. So so this one this one hits home. Yes, Uh, I have visited this uh, this oh wow multiple times. So uh, Vancouver's Vancouver, Washington, uh, their oldest the old apple tree dies at age 194. Wow. So over the decades, the old apple tree was the embodiment of Washington's apple industry and a tangible link to the Hudson's Bay Company era. It witnessed the settlement and growth of the area and has survived ice, disease, the Columbus Day storm, and the encroachment of State Highway 14. (laughs) But not 2020. Not 2020. (laughs) Dying leaves suddenly... Dying leaves... (laughs) suddenly appeared throughout the tree last week, which prompted the city's urban forestry staff to do a quick checkup. Arborists then conducted a thorough evaluation. They found that the vascular system, or cambium layer, of the tree, which transports water and nutrients to the canopy, had shut down. Charles Bay, urban forester with the city, said, uh, said this was largely attributed to a spiral crack in the trunk expanding, Hot weather exacerbated the problem. So, um, <clears throat> so they basically, it was a tree down, kind of near downtown. It was just on the the east side of I five, down near the waterfront, and Fort Highway fourteen kind of blocked it from access. And so there was this tiny little tunnel uh, that you could walk through under highway 14 to get to this weird almost like a, a zelda like <laughs> garden uh that was it's wow, kind of secret that's cool uh, and so you would walk through this little tunnel and there was just a a little two-foot fence around this really old apple tree and uh it's been there forever uh for 194 years and uh, it's dead now. Wow. Death is a relative term. The roots of the old apple tree should carry on for another 200 years. Yeah, this is the part that uh, I was this, having trouble understanding. Yeah, the city and and the old apple tree research team plan for the, for the moment by nurturing several root suckers, which have produced small trees growing around the old apple tree. I don't think the legacy is gone, but the main trunk is gone. So the... Uh, the roots continue to survive, and there's some suckers that have grown up or some uh, volunteers that have grown up around it, and so they'll probably nurture those yeah. and uh, continue the legacy. Root sucker. <clears throat> Root sucker. <laughs> Barely knew her. And uh, considered the matriarch of Washington's apple industry, the old apple tree provided Clark County's first apple harvest one apple <laughs> in the same year that the Book of Mormon was published in 1830. Whoa! The English greening apple tree was planted from seed in 1826 at historic Vancouver, 63 years before Washington became a state. Wow. Why did you know off the top of your head that wasn't in the article that 1830 <laughs> was the year that the Book of Mormon was written? Uh, the 1830 Book of Mormon is kind of a famous uh, version oh, of the Book of okay. Mormon. It's It's been modified literally thousands of times uh since and if you compare the 1830 book of mormon which is very hard to uh, find <laughs> uh you will uh discover lots of inconsistencies with today's version of the book of mormon wow that's funny 
So goodbye, Apple Tree. And this is one of the only times since it said um, the they found that the vascular system of the tree was no longer working. It'll be my one one of the only times I get to say this in context. Xylem, I barely flow them. <laughs> no, no. I'm giving myself applause for that. that. <laughs> We're not supporting that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite to work into context <laughs> along with it's not a tuber when talking about different root vegetables <laughs> anyway well there's this list of the uh, 15 states with the worst drivers in america so this ranking is based on four metrics the number of fatalities per 100 million dui arrests uh, arrests per 1000 the percentage of uninsured drivers which is weird because that doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad driver uh, and how often the residents google the terms speeding ticket or traffic ticket well these <laughs> metrics are ridiculous arbitrary and ridiculous uh mississippi ranks the worst of all uh with the second highest number of fatality mississippi again number one on the worst list of just about everything Uh, they know how to google (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry mississippi well look i don't we were talking beforehand (laughs) mississippi did not ratify the 13th amendment abolishing slavery until 2012 (laughs) But at least they just got rid of their flag, which is really great. Yep. Um, so it's the third year in a row that Mississippi claimed the bottom uh, slot. Let's see. So here is the two. Let's see. Some motorists may be more interested in avoiding the cities plagued by bad driving than the states. Uh, what? Some motorists may be more interested in avoiding the cities plagued by bad driving than the states. Okay. So avoid the cities, not the states. So. Uh, two, these two categories don't always align. Oregon, which didn't crack the top 10 states with the worst drivers, is home to Portland, the city with the worst drivers, according to one comparison site, which I don't know. So the list here is from from starting at number one down. To, should I count backwards or count forwards? I guess we already know what number one is. Number one was Mississippi. Yeah. So from 1 to 15, Mississippi, Nevada, Tennessee, Florida, California, Arizona, South Carolina, and Texas tie. Uh, New Mexico, Alaska, Louisiana, Alabama, Oregon, Arkansas, and Colorado. So Oregon is ranked as number 13, which I I mean, Portland drivers are terrible, so I'll give it that. I do disagree with California, though, only because California drivers are maniacs and they can be dangerous and crazy. But everybody is driving like they are going somewhere. You know what I mean? Yes. Everybody is trying they're, to accomplish the task of going from point A to point B. They're not driving. They're trying to get to the car ahead of them, I think, is what they're, what they're doing. Right. And it is. it does work as a weird pack mentality because it's not just aggressive driving. It's saying, oh, that guy's the aggressive driver in this situation. He's going to get this spot and I'll go here. And it's easier to manage in a way. Whereas Oregon, like people just drive slow and stupid. And if it's raining out, they can't drive. It's just, oh, it's just the so worst. I, I, I can't believe that there's not a single uh, Midwest <laughs> or Northeast state on here. It is all the South 
and the West. Yeah. Well, let's see. So they did uh, number of fatalities, DUI arrests, so uh, percentages of uninsured drivers, and Googling speeding tickets and stuff like that. So I yeah. think since since a lot of the Midwest is just rural ruralness. Hmm. Not a lot of right. people are being pulled over for DUIs in the middle of nowhere. There's not a lot of speeding tickets given in those areas. There's not a lot of fatalities. There's, there's, new, there's new England states. There's not any New England states on there. Yeah, that's true too. At uh, well, that's uninsured weird. drivers, maybe that correlates more towards being closer to a border, or I don't know. Hmm. Those metrics know. seem very strange. I'm very yeah. disappointed to ever pick this story to end our show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is the last story I have. Let's see. Cool. We do double check cool. here. Uh, there is the potato head one. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, of course, that's what I picked for the last story. <laughs> Would you like to read it, Mark? <laughs> Much, yes. Okay. Uh, so a Canadian tire store in Ontario glitched out and scanned everything as Mr. Potato Head. Wah, wah. Apparently, apparently every item that was scanned, be that a new barbecue some that tire store, <laughs> Canadian tire store. What are they selling barbecues <laughs> and Mr. Potato Heads for? It's Canada. His product number and information would come up every single time. The plastic toys retail for ten bucks or thirty bucks, according to the Canadian Tire website. <laughs> I'm gonna click on that. One, I'm checking this website. Maybe it's like maybe uh, they maybe tire means something different in Canada, like. <laughs> general general store is the tire store or something so i'm looking yeah i'm if you go to the canadian tire.ca <laughs> there are lawnmowers and barbecues and tents and maybe it's like a, a lowe's or like a an sure. rei type thing that they started by selling tires yeah. but expanded but hmm. boy what a weird <laughs> Weird name. Canadian Tire. Canadians, tell us, tell us about your your naming system. They're correct. Yeah, the, it's their tagline is "Made for Life in Canada." <laughs> Buy this bike, and it's <laughs> and it's not Canadian Tired stores. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, this was an anomaly that occurred yesterday morning only at our Lindsay and Whitby stores, says the communications manager for Canadian Tire. And the point of sale downloading error caused item names to appear incorrectly. However, item prices and item numbers were registering correctly. So it just, uh, it would give you the itemized list of everything that you ordered, which was everything was uh, a Mr. Potato Head, <laughs> but the actual item numbers and the prices were fine. It has since been corrected and the stories are operating normally. And according to them, the ordeal lasted for uh, just about a, an hour and a half at the Lindsay location. Oh, so. wow. Oh, Canada. Awesome. <laughs> I'm so, de I was so desperate to find <laughs> news that wasn't Something terrible. Hilarious. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you, Mark, cool. for making time to talk to me today. That's mostly, that was mostly my, my goal in <laughs> my Otis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got to go finish Hamilton now. Oh, nice! And, yeah, uh, do a little, do a little um, maintenance on a website. Yeah, there, stuff. there is yeah. more King George in Act Two, and he's awesome. continues to be great. Um, I was gonna say, do we know, do we know anything about Lin Manuel Miranda's 
past history. Like I'm sure, I'm sure it's first... very well trotted territory now. I don't know it, but I would imagine yeah. since this Hamilton has been like a legit sensation for like five or however long years now that he's i'm sure his background can be found so um but yeah i was thinking about that too it's like did he just explode out of nowhere like why was he allowed to play the role himself if he's an unknown so i'm sure i'm sure that background is fascinating so it's phenomenal and and well deserving of the The guy who plays um um the French guy, he's got the the, the bigger it. afro. Yep. He transitions roles in the second act and plays Thomas Jefferson. And oh. I didn't care for him as the French person because he was too hard to, for me to understand with the French accent. But his Thomas Jefferson is awesome. It is he cool. is so good. And the guy that plays Aaron Burr, too, who it's yeah. not the flashy role, it's the whatever, and and he He's great too. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's great. I I've been enjoying it. So yeah, check that out if Very you cool. have access to Disney Plus. Um, check that out. Use use your niece's Disney Plus account if you don't have your own, for instance, which is what I am doing. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this is uh, three minutes and thirty nine sec- seconds long, but it it is worth it. Uh, should we? Go out with an exploding laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So um, check out Fun Employment Radio. You can hear our show. And you can hear Portland at the Movies. We did a brand new Portland at the Movies last weekend. Check that out. Um, the, the Portland at the Movies Facebook page keeps getting taken down for some reason. So we cannot talk to people that way. So if you were relying on that to um, let be told when the new episodes are out, just make sure you go subscribe to Portland at the Movies. Um, I'll try to keep up with with. Portland at the movie stuff also on Mark and Toddcast, but for some reason that we still have not gotten word back from Facebook why they keep taking down our Portland at the movies page. But please make a note of it to find that somewhere else. So thank you for listening. Um, Mark, have a good rest of your week. One of these days we will see each other in person where I will personally shave all your hair off because I (laughs) won't be, I won't be able to stand being next to you with whatever is going on with that. So anyway, have a great week, everyone. We will talk to you guys later. Here's awesome. Let's, let's see if we can get this audio to work. uh... It had to be said the Oregon state highway division, not only had a whale of a problem on its hands, It had a stinking whale of a problem. What to do with one 45-foot, 8-ton whale dead on arrival on the beach near Florence? It had been so long since a whale had washed up in Lane County, nobody could remember how to get rid of one. In selecting its battle plan, the highway division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because it might soon be uncovered. It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up, and it couldn't be burned. So dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it. The hope was that the long-dead Pacific gray whale would be almost disintegrated by the blast and that any small pieces still around after the explosion would be taken care of by seagulls and other scavengers. Indeed, the seagulls had been standing nearby all day. As everything was being made ready, we asked George Thornton, the highway engineer in charge of the project, for his final observation. Well, I'm confident that it'll work. The only thing is we're not sure just exactly how much uh, explosives it'll take to disintegrate this thing so the scavengers, seagulls, and crabs and whatnot can clean it up. Is there any chance it might be more than a one-day job? Uh, If there's any large chunks left, 
and uh, we may have to do some other cleanup, possibly set another charge. The dynamite was buried primarily on the leeward side of the big mammal, so as most of the remains would be blown toward the sea. About 75 bystanders, most of them residents who had first found the whale to be an object of curiosity before they tired of its smell, were moved back a quarter of a mile away. The sand dunes there were covered with spectators and land lubber newsmen shortly to become land blubber newsmen with a blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. Our camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast. The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one large chunk. The passenger compartment literally smashed. Fortunately, no human was hit as badly as the car. However, everyone on the scene was covered with small particles of dead whale. As for the success of the effort, well, the seagulls who were supposed to clean things up were nowhere in sight, either scared away by the explosion or kept away by the smell. That didn't really matter. The remaining chunks were of such a size that no respectable seagull would attempt to tackle anyway. As darkness began to set in, the highway crews were back on the beach burying the remains including a large piece of the carcass which never left the blast site. It might be concluded that should a whale ever wash ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do. Wow. <laughs> so did they just, awesome. after that, did they just leave it to derot? De yeah. Wow. That's so <laughs> great. still there. TheExplodingWhale.com. Awesome. Visit it. All right. Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye.